Report for Success Express, your business, career, and financial radio magazine. Hosted by Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazines.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio Success Express Business and Career Show. Uh, today, we're focusing on the world of AI, artificial intelligence. And I love the word artificial, right? We always look at those sweeteners we put in our coffee and tea and go, well, should we be having these artificial sweeteners? Well, what about in our industries? And today, we're very excited to bring uh, various guests on the show. You've heard them. If you listen to Big Blend all the time, Big Blend Radio, you've heard them on shows. Um, all of them have been on different radio parties and also expert interviews. Um, they're going to be talking about how they use AI in their industry. Of course, we're going to talk about the good, bad, and yeah, some of the ugly parts of AI. So we're going to start with San Diego employment attorney Ward Heinrichs. I encourage you to go to his website, bestemploymentattorneysandiego.com. And just so you know, everyone's links will be listed and linked in the radio show notes, whether you're listening on YouTube or Facebook or Google or Apple, wherever it is, it'll be all in there for you. Um, but Ward is on our show every fourth Wednesday. He's kindly allowed us to air this panel on his regular segment. So welcome back, Ward. How are you? I'm doing well. Just got through the storm, Hillary, coming through. Got lots of rain. There's some flooding. Um, I'm okay. Most people are okay. The wind wasn't that bad. Uh, but the sun's out right now. So, hey, things are getting better no already. No way, really. See, I love this because as we're recording this, Nancy's putting our magazine back together since we're pulling all the destinations out and we think it's flooded. So, you know, um, I'm glad to hear that you're fine and doing good. Um, I remember you being on a show telling us that there was a bill now for protecting employees when a natural disaster happens, that they are oh, allowed yeah. to skip work. And I was thinking about you today going, is Ward going to skip this show? <laughs> we want him to if he's in trouble, but you know. Well, if you work for yourself, you don't have to use that employee. I just do what I want, but mostly it's yeah. come in and work hard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, it's good to have you back on the show and we're glad you're safe. I want to bring our next guest on is life coach, author, and communication specialist, Steve Piacenti. He was the one to kind of spark this idea because he uh, writes um, also fiction, nonfiction. His uh, background is as a former journalist, which led him to becoming a, uh, an actual life coach because of handling major change. And we are heading into the fall mm -hmm. season, which means we have to embrace change, whether we like it or not. Maybe it's Hurricane Hillary. We have to embrace this kind of change. Uh, anything in life. And um, he really knows all about that. You can go to his website, stevepiacenti.com. And he is the owner of Next Phase Life Coaching. So welcome back, Steve. How are you? Hi, Lisa. Hi, everybody. Great to be with you again. Yes, this is exciting. I heard you have a surprise. Am, am I allowed to ask about it now? Or do sure, I have to let's, wait? Let's do it right now, because I think it helps frame the discussion that we're going to have today. You know, we like to say it's a cliche, but no matter what business you're in, you're in the business of communication. So, so I, I think that with that as a backdrop, I thought it'd be interesting to ask ChatGPT to write a creative and engaging paragraph promoting Big Blend. That's uh -oh. what I did. And, <laughs> and here's what it spit out. Imagine a world where you can have all your audio and visual entertainment needs met in one place a world where you can stream your favorite music, podcasts, movies, and TV shows whenever and wherever you want, a world where you can find the perfect home theater system to bring your entertainment to life. Wow, we really grew. 
That world is here, and it's called BigBlendRadioAndTV.com. So, you know, whether that would be appropriate or not, um, I still think it was pretty impressive that it came up with that without any other additional information. And so I think one of the questions we should all be thinking about is, is it legit to do that, or is it cheating in some way? Mm. So, well, it, number one, it was it's half right. Right. Okay. And so it's so it's half right. Half, you know, we don't have anything to do with TV stuff, streaming TV. Stre- mm-hmm. Well, we do have streaming music, but it's on different things. So it's not quite right. But I think in, in what you're doing is we actually have a, a, a friend and client who wrote a thing about their business through that. But mm-hmm. he had to put in what he wanted and then go back and correct it. You right. know what I mean? Right. And so, did, yeah. And this is yeah. really just a starting point. I wanted to see what it would come up with cold. You know, obviously the prompts, as you get more sophisticated with them, will de- will deliver better information, more customized information. And so, but it was just as a starting point, I thought it was interesting. And, and at least in the fields that I work in communication and writing, um, you know, th- this question about ethics and legitimacy uh, are really powerful and really important. Yeah, I'm excited to hear from everyone on this. Also talking about tourism and this as well, because if you don't have authenticity in a destination, you have no real tourism. Um, and so that kind of goes with that as well. Um, but I, I really, imp- I'm really impressed that we grew our business that much. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> thank you. We had these incredible investors, you know, and, um, I'm really, ex- I'm excited about that. And now that we're going to go to full on TV, you know, we'll, we'll be on a big screen. Well, we are, I suppose, with YouTube. So, all right. But that was awesome, Steve. So everyone, uh, Steve Piacenti is always full of surprises here on the show. But I want to go over to England now. We're going to go to Norfolk and East Anglia to chat with Glenn Burrows. He's on our show every fourth Saturday talking about England usually or family history that connects back to England. Um, this Saturday is going to be talking about Wales because he took a vacation, but he does take people across the border. He'll take him to France. He'll take him to Scotland, apparently to Wales. I encourage you to go to his website, norfolk-tours.co.uk. And on top of all of that, Glenn is a very, he's an activist, an advocate for small business and, um, real communication and authenticity when it comes to travel and tourism. So welcome back, Glenn. How are you? Hi, uh, yeah, I'm fantastic. Thanks. And I'm, I'm really interested in this conversation because, as you have just said, I'm into authenticity. And that doesn't include a computer telling you what it thinks. Well, it doesn't mm-hmm. think it's a computer. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. And and how is your weather in England since America is getting tropical storms and all kinds of wacky craziness? Well, funnily enough, um, my two little granddaughters and my wife and my daughter have all been on the beach today because um, obviously it's um, six o'clock in England. So that that my wife has just come home. Um, so they've been sunbathing on the beach today. Well, I say sunbathing, you know, they don't go sunbathing nowadays, do they? But uh, it's been gorgeous, gorgeous. Oh, yeah. that's, lovely that's blue lovely. sky. Lovely, lovely to hear that. Uh, We're going to go over to Arizona, uh, just outside Tucson is this amazing vineyard that Nancy and I cannot wait to go and visit uh, because Peggy and her husband, Kurt, run LDV Winery. Uh, You can go to ldvwinery.com. Their tasting room is in Scottsdale, so you can get art and wine all in one place. You can go meet Peggy. This is the most important thing. But they really, we've tasted their wines, and they are phenomenal. And we're going to be talking to her today 
about how AI affects their vineyard, because I know there's all kinds of things when it comes to agriculture. Um, I don't think AI is making their wines because there's an art to their wine and there's a, um, there's that authenticity that Glenn is talking about. And Peggy's on our show every first Wednesday talking about what is happening in the vineyard, uh, keeping us up to date on that because it's always fascinating. And we have a lot of passion for anybody in agriculture. And um, this year is 15 years. In September, uh, Peggy and her husband, Kurt, are celebrating 15 years of their winery, which means a lot of blood, sweat, and, you know, joy, hard work. So welcome back, Peggy. How are you? Thanks, Lisa. Yeah, we're doing great. Um, we're smack dab in the middle of harvest. We started last Thursday uh, harvesting, and I'm not at the vineyard. I'm up in, in at our home in in the Phoenix area. But uh, yeah, crazy times for us. It's an interesting topic because you know I think it's the number today is 87 percent of U.S. agricultural businesses are currently using AI in some way uh in managing their farming or or doing something on their farm. So it is a topic that is is very um important to our industry right now. That's interesting because I know we want to get into what you do with weather. I know a lot of that and, and water. Do you use it in your business even when you think about marketing? I mean I think of AI also looking at what happens like on Facebook with algorithms and and I I think of the marketing aspect of this all too that there's I mean it, like even what what Steve started out with was marketing. Absolutely I mean we have we have not delved in heavily into it we're we're a small winery and I I love technology and I I welcome new technology and and but I don't jump in uh without really uh exploring it and understanding it and determining what's best for our business and how to use it but yeah I can see it in marketing for customer segmentation and truly understanding maybe um the wants and desires of uh how to communicate to different segments of our market um is one possibility that i i see but again it's like anything new technology garbage in garbage out you really have to be careful <laughs> on how you define and and create and and um ask for the information that y- you really need yeah i i love that i i think this it that's the thing it's not all good it's not all bad and so i think this is going to be a panel that we have on every quarter or something. I, I know this is going to be an ongoing discussion. And I know uh, you and uh, Glenn and Johnny were on a show talking about this. So Johnny Schaefer, everyone, you can go to hearjohnny.com. Had to do that. Sorry. Like, you know, was, that was lame. Uh, Johnny is an award-winning singer-songwriter. He works with Melissa Manchester and a lot of different musicians uh, and songwriters. And um, he just won an award for uh, your music video. Tell everybody about that, Johnny. And, and glad you're okay, too, out in Pasadena. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, we won the uh, Pasadena International Film Festival for uh, You Can't Hide the Light, which is what I recorded with Melissa Manchester uh, for Best Music Video. It was uh, a lot of fun, you know, seeing it on the big screen for the first time and, uh, you know, hearing it bouncing around the theater. So uh, we had a wonderful time. And it's it's gratifying to have a project like that get um, attention because it's it was kind of old school we use modern dance in the video and um you know very organic a, a lot of videos now use a lot of technology and, and ours was filmed on a stage 
uh, with dancers and the first two and a half minutes is all one shot. Um, just, uh, my husband pocket was on a camera dolly just going back and forth and it was, uh, really great experience so it's nice to have something like that acknowledged so i know paco your husband uh does a lot of the filming um mm-hmm. and and making of the videos does he use ai in any of that he does he we it depends on the the song you know i've got stuff we did a song uh last halloween it was a it was an edm dance track uh, with dancing monsters and the whole thing was all cool. you, know, uh, you know digitally created uh, graphics uh, uh, animated and it was a lot of fun and um so it's i think within like with anything it's it's <clears throat> learning how to use these things as a tool but also putting protections uh in place you know so in making sure that humans are telling human stories and not that the machines are taking over telling the human stories that humans can use these things as a tool but we really need to safeguard that uh, it's it doesn't get away from us. Mm. Ward, is that where you were going with Skynet the other day? That yeah. we're going to get taken over by robots <laughs> and machines? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, now, see, I want to make a movie on that. I wish Nancy was here doing this because she'd be all like, I want to do that movie. Uh, but I want to bring uh, Joey Stuckey on. I, I want to say last but not least whatsoever, he's on our show, our big weekly blend podcast. Every fourth Sunday, he's been on our show for years. And um, he's got the Joey Stuggy Alive Day coming up, September 29th. I know he'll give everyone a sneak peek about what's happening with that. Uh, but he is a music ambassador, the official music ambassador to Macon, Georgia, which is the, the capital of Southern Rock. Right, Joey? That's Southern it. Rock. Yeah, it's yeah. fried. It's delicious. you got to go. <laughs> Macon is fine. awesome. So much history with the Almond Brothers. Obviously, Joe, Joey's there. You know, yeah. uh, The state of Georgia is amazing with music. But... um. Joy is a blind musician, a record producer, composer, speaker. You're going to Milan soon as a speaking uh, tour, right? Absolutely. Going to uh, Izmir, which is a major audio conference there. And we're going to be talking about, uh, we're, we're actually going to touch on AI. I only have 90 minutes to do my full presentation. So it will be a very brief um, you know, chat about AI. But I think it's really important. I think uh, the strikes that are going on in the film industry, um, you know, this is an important time to talk about that. And of course, what happens in the film industry also directly impacts the music industry. And then you have things like Spotify using, you know, AI to create what they claim are original works. I would, I would submit and, and Ward can probably talk a little bit about this better than I can. But, uh, anytime you have to feed a bunch of information into a machine for it to create something new, I would argue that you could, that would be considered a derivative work. I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. if, if you're processing you know, a hundred songs by a hundred different artists and then you create something based on that information. How is that new? How can you copyright that? And who owns the copyright if it's a machine generated thing? So there's a lot to talk about. I mean, of course, there are some positive aspects of AI as well when it comes to disability access. Uh, but like anything else, we need safeguards, as Johnny very aptly said. And, uh, I'm a fan of the three laws of robotics by Isaac Asimov. I think that should be in all of our discussions and one of the I'm not a Luddite by any stretch of the imagination. I, I embrace new technology. Technology is one of the reasons I can do what I do and not be able to see. But uh, that being said, um, you know, there are moral, ethical questions that have to be considered. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and we don't want to do anything that cheapens you know, the human experience. So I think there's a, a, a ton of stuff to unpack here. Well, I know there's going to be a lot of lawsuits and it's already started. Yeah. With, um, um, and that's, you know, that's people even... The law yeah. is very bad at keeping up with technology. And, well, uh, 
So the lawsuits are typically how how new laws get written by adjudicating things in the courts, which is you know not the best method, perhaps, but that's certainly it, it's it's a slow process. But that uh, I'm not surprised at all. Well, it's interesting because they're using, they're copying people's voices and things like that. Oh, so even journalism I mean, is threatened with this. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, I, I mean, yeah. There's, there's a whole, there's a whole likeness thing issue there. Uh, there's all kinds of ramifications. Yeah. Mm. So, um, Ward, since you're an employment attorney, I want to know, can I AI myself as a duplicate and go to work <laughs> and get away with it? <laughs> Oh, no one can replace you, Lisa. You don't have to oh, worry about thank that. Oh, you. That's <laughs> well it. Oh, that was good. That was good. I do want to go to Steve Piacenti on this, um, coming from a journalism background and working in communications. With this, where people are actually copying people's voices and using it, it's kind of a real, and, and more digging on this too, because this is a scary thing in media right now, um, especially when it comes to elections. I mean, where do we go now? I mean, if we can copy the president or the vice president or, or the candidates running their voices and, and give other words to what they supposedly said, how, how, and then the fact checking, how much of that is AI? Where are we in that as, as a journal, former journalist? What are you thinking about all of that? What I'm thinking most, mostly is what our mothers taught us when we were young, which is consider the source. Consider the source. Where is this information coming from? Is it reputable? Is it credible? Uh, can it be verified? <clears throat> and and too often it can't be. <clears throat> One of the things I tell my, you know, what, what I do for a living is I um, advise people who talk to reporters, the media uh, frequently. And one of the things that I tell them, because every time I find myself talking with them, it sounds very cautionary. Be careful of this. Be careful of that. And and you could take the attitude like, I'm not going to go out there. I'm just going to hang back. And my my point is that with all the misinformation and disinformation that's out there, uh, the more we need credible, accurate, objective voices. So my my point to them is always, I hope that you'll be more encouraged to go out rather than reticent about it. Mm, I love that. Ward, how is this impacting law? And I know you're on the employment law side, so that's a whole other specific niche of law. And um, he's very smart because he's in California and there's new laws every day. So he's doing quite well. He's happy. (laughs) Just say I always tease him about that every show because there's always a new law. Um, But how is that impacting um, the legal world and your world? I mean, are things are depositions and things written in AI? Well, depositions, no, because um, it's hard to take a deposition of a, a of a robot, I think. And we're not quite yeah. to the robot stage yet. Maybe, you know, if we look at some of the science fiction stuff we've seen, the, the, the robots are actually kind of thinking by themselves and doing their own thing. Maybe at some <laughs> point you do. But right now, no, we don't have to worry about that. Um, but I think the legal, legal topics really aren't so much in employment law. It's just general um, and what we're talking about here, I think, was you know copyright and can plagiarism issues like that, which I think the law covers okay right now. But the the point has been raised: uh, Do we need new laws to cover this type of thing? And and probably so. And it's a learning process. The law really does catch up with society. That's just the way it is. Um, so the law is behind on that right now. Uh, where we'll end up and what kind of new laws we will generate because of uh, this machine learning. Um, it's hard to say for sure right now, but I do think there is already some protection 
you, you can't just put words in someone's mouth and have that be okay. Right. Uh, all sorts of issues could rise up because of that. Do you ever use it in regards to writing? Like, would you would you use it for writing a letter? Like, I know you do a lot, a lot of you know those letters before someone goes to court, going, "Hey, if you don't you know solve this now, we will have to go to court," kind of thing. Let's settle. Send the money to my client. Um, are those kind of letters written through AI using that? Well, let, let's go into the definition of AI first, because I, the articles I was reading about this in the law were saying that we already have AI, essentially. And what they're really talking about is the ability to search databases and pull up information. That's been going on a long time, uh, and lawyers use that effectively now. What I really think the essence of AI is, is the ability to learn, you know, machine learning, where they the machine sees patterns and draws conclusions from that. Now, is it the same as human? No, it's not. But they can actually find patterns and then develop responses because of the patterns they see and, the, and then refine those responses over time. So I think that's really the essence of AI. It's mm-hmm. not just a database that we search. Um, and so... Right now, at least in the law, there's not a whole lot of use for uh, finding conclusions based on looking at a database. Okay. And I will, here's one issue. I wanted to bring it up when Steve was talking. Um, There's this attorney in New York who will remain nameless uh, who wrote a brief, said, told the AI, and it was uh, Chat GPT, to write a brief for him. And he was under pressure and he looked at it quickly and just submitted it to the court. Well, almost all of the citations, case citations, were incorrect, just made up. So what you really got to do with this stuff is take a good look, at least as an attorney. If You you could write a brief, I suppose. <laughs> really have to check it, make sure you don't run into that because that uh, lawyer was very embarrassed and the The legal community um, has, everyone knows about that case and what a problem that was. So right now, no, you don't have to worry about a machine taking over. And you certainly have to double check as a lawyer. Well, I think in in copy, like copywriters are getting scared because they are losing their their careers. Um, And I've seen stories about this, the copywriting. And I wonder, you know, because you still have to have a creative brain to copyright. Otherwise, you're going to have all the same information. And I know Google cracks down and Nancy's always going, she'll, she'll find a, a writer who's used the same thing. I mean, they've copied it from Wikipedia. They've copied it from another place on Google. It'll show up and, and we can, we, we have software that will go, you copied, you lied. You know what I mean? So what I'm worried about with Google and, and things like that, and not just Google, all search engines is, what happens if this all takes whatever data it's finding online, right? And you want something and it's essentially copying maybe your competitor. And now you're having something very similar out there online, which actually gets cracked down upon in search engine, um, in SEO. Mm-hmm. So that to me is a problem. Um, so I think you've got to, if you're going to use this in any form of writing, come in with the facts. I mean, Steve, you do a lot of writing too. I mean, yeah, what I was going to say is, um, again, we go back to, I think Joey was, 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 um, alluding to this. There are a lot of moral and ethical questions. And I, you know, up to a certain point, I think it's okay. 
beyond a certain point, I think that you're, you know, as in Ward's case, that's so far over the line. Uh, I think the punishment should be pretty severe for something like that. It's embarrassing. I mean, that's enough of a career. I would never hire that lawyer for anything. Right. But, you know, like, I, I think of it as a starting point uh, in a lot of cases. A lot of times I'm in a rush and I've got to do media work with somebody who's a very specific expert in some certain subject that, you know, there's no way that I would ever be able to do it quickly enough. So I'll ask, I'll tell ChatGPT or whatever, um, this is the person, this is what they do. What are five concise, challenging questions for this person? They'll spit out five good questions, five questions. I'll then pick and put the, the questions that I like into my words, but mm-hmm. I will I will never use it the way it spits it out. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think, I think using it as a tool and as a starting point and maybe as a bridge is, is okay. But when you just, you know, copy and paste, then I, I think you're, uh, you're asking for a lot of trouble. Yeah. I want to go to Johnny with this. Johnny, as a songwriter, I mean, I know that even when, you know, we've got all these articles to write and you're like, damn, I have this idea and now I've got to spit it out. And then I need to call Peggy for wine and go, I need some help to get this out. Now you could use this for creative prompts to get you going, right? Would you, would you do something like that, Johnny? Uh, I, I get a lot of my song ideas at 3 a.m. I kind of wake up in that half, um, and they, they come from really inside. So I, 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 I mean, I imagine if I was stuck, you know, it, it could be used as a way to sort of maybe get a, a germ of an idea that I could run with, you know, I, I suppose I know I have friends that are artists that'll do that. They'll put a bunch of words in and AI will spit out a, a painting and then they'll use that as an inspiration, but they'll still do their own thing. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm sure that, that people could do that very effectively. Uh, I, I'm not sure that just the way I write, I don't think I would probably do it that often, but I, I can imagine people doing that and being very, you know, it being a very useful tool to find inspiration. Um, yeah. Joey, do you have anything to follow up on that? Oh, you know me. I always have something to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing is, I mean, technology is designed to make the human race more productive, to take the burden off of things, at least in my mind. And I, I, I dream of the Star Trek world. I'll be honest with you. I think that's a, a, a vision that's worth pursuing. He's your but, sci-fi dude, Ward. Well, I mean, I'm just but, saying. But what, I, what I mean by that is that, you know, having the ability not to have to do certain uh, laborious tasks so you can free your mind for higher things, that's a great dream. Mm-hmm. And certainly artificial intelligence can be a support to realizing that dream, you know. And, and so uh, I think as a pattern record, you know, as a blind brain tumor survivor, I have thoughts about this from a medical perspective. I also have thoughts about this from an educational perspective. So I'm, you know, faculty at several universities teaching music technology. So, you know, the, the, from a medical perspective, is it helpful for an AI to be able to glance through a hundred thousand x-rays and find the abnormalities and then flag those for the, the radiologist? You know, maybe that's, maybe that's an excellent use of, of AI. Um, is it, is it, 
something I personally would ever use for my work writing uh, or composing. It is not. I, I, you know, I, I'm a weird duck in some ways. I, I don't drink. I don't take any kind of drugs. The one that keep me alive. And um, I don't like things that aren't real. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I want to feel happy because I feel happy. I want to feel sad because I feel sad. I don't like mm-hmm. external forces changing my thought process. Right. That So so what I'm saying is that, you know, from a compositional art perspective, from an emotional perspective of bringing art into the world, I, I cannot foresee any situation where I would use AI as a jumping off or an inspiration point or, or mm-hmm. a, even to help me refine my work. I just, I just wouldn't do that. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's not, you know, appropriate. I, each artist will have to make that decision for themselves. But what I would say is that one of the problems is um, one of the things I'm afraid of, I guess, maybe that's too strong a word, but one of the things that concerns me is this idea of mental laziness. And in the education system in particular, we're starting to see mm-hmm. you know, chat chat bots and stuff, writing essays and, and things of that nature. And, and, and at the moment, they're fairly easy to spot, uh, but there will be a time when they're not. And so you're like, well, gosh, did, did the student learn are they leaving school with with skills that will set them on a path for success, or are they gaming the system and actually shooting themselves in the foot? And mm. uh, and so I, I, I don't like that mental laziness. I'll just give you two examples real quickly. First of all, for a long, long time, I would never, I would always memorize people's phone numbers. I would never just tap the icon on my phone. Me too. Yeah. Um, uh, but now you know what uh, I'm, I have. I have so many meetings and so many people that I talk to from all over the world, and I'm meeting new people every day. I don't do that anymore, and I just click the name. And so, what I'm saying is, even people that are cognizant and aware of dangers um, can be sucked into what's convenient. And it, it's the same thing with social media. Um, there's a really excellent book I encourage everybody to check out, and it's called The Chaos Machine. And it talks about how Facebook, YouTube, and other people who use algorithms have somewhat lost control of the algorithms and are allowing algorithms to make algorithms, and they don't really know what's happening anymore with their funnel system. Oh, my God. I feel like we're going into the alien now. We're going to have algorithm babies popping out in little egg sacs. Yeah, I mean, seriously, it's it's concerning. And and what's concerning is they, they let it get out of human control, and so they've had to pull several of their algorithms down and start over because they weren't really clear on how it's working. You know, the goal of the social media networks is to keep you engaged so they can sell you advertising. Right. And um, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of concerns there, morally, ethically, and, you know, taking it to my own personal uh, needs, I would do almost anything to be able to drive. As a blind person, that is a real problem, uh, not to be able to do what you need to do when you need to do it. And I can see AI having having a valuable role there with what the the science fiction writers of the 40s used to call robot cars, but but you know artificially smart cars that can drive and and navigate. I mean that would be a real blessing for me. But there's still a lot of things to talk about there, and I, we won't get into it here. But you know where who 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 insures the car? Where does yeah. how does that work? How does well it work these self driving the car... cars are not all that they cracked up to be well, right and, away. And, and, well, they're not. So. And, and the, other, the other question, I think the one that's more important from a moral perspective is something like this. If the car does a mathematical calculation and says, okay, if I don't swerve, I kill a car with two people in it. And if I do swerve, I kill a car with one person in it. 
So which way, what does it do? So now it's making life decisions based on just cold facts, you know, and that that's a concern for me. You know, th- these are some mm-hmm. of the, the pitfalls I see. But again, as an aid to the disabled, uh, technology has been incredible. And, and there's certainly room for the AI to be my eyeballs. Uh, but I don't want it telling me what to do or how to think. And I think that's where no. the danger is. I don't think you can ever tell Joey Stuckey what to do. But I want no, to get to Peggy. Tried. I want to get to Peggy in the vineyard in a second. But I want to go over to Glenn first because I know in the tourism world and Peggy also running, you know, you've got the tasting room as well and uh, deal with people all the time. But Glenn, over to this in regards to even jobs, like in a way, I I think that kids and tourism, getting the youth in tourism jobs and I, and whenever I talk about tourism, just like we were talking about Joey the other day on the show, um, I mean responsible tourism, you know, stuff that the community is working with the tourism entities. Uh, so people understand the value that it brings to a community. Um, you know, things like trash gets picked up. And so that helps the actual community and the visitor going to a place. But Glenn, over in tourism and you take people around physically taken places without a, a self-driving car. Um, you know, so that hands-on experience, isn't that a very important thing for your business? Yet at the same time, there's other tools you can probably use in different ways. The, the, the main, the main thing, the main part of my business is my personal service. And you can never replace that with a computer. I mean, funnily enough, before this, I, I did I did a little look into AI, and I and I put in um, to this air chat thingy um, <laughs> an itinerary for visiting ten churches in Norfolk. Well, it spat out, you know, go to there and do this, and go to this church and go to that church. The trouble is, some of the churches it suggested I go and visit are actually closed. Um, some of the churches it suggested I visit. Um, you have to go and see Mrs. Mrs. Miggins to go and collect the key. Well, if you don't know that, you're not going to go and collect the key, so you're going to be disappointed. Um, some of these churches, it spits out, you, you can't just rock up. You have to get permission to go and see it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes, AI can do certain things, but AI cannot have my head. It, mm. it can't it can't have local knowledge it can't have all that stuff and also you know it's got it's got its uses mm. obviously it's got its uses we use it every day of the week you know we've been using ai since well Google. since the stone age internet well. yeah but you know it can't take over and i know has already been said you know we haven't got to worry about this i think the word that needs to be added to that is yet. Yeah. In other words, today we probably haven't got to worry about it, but tomorrow the speed of this thing is absolutely unbelievable. You know? Mm. Well, it's having babies, like Joey said. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I I didn't get a cell phone, as you call it. We call it a mobile. Um, I didn't get a cell phone until probably 13 years ago. And that's changed beyond recognition. It's nowhere near like the first cell phone I got. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just so fast and it's, it's running, it's running away with itself. And that is the worrying thing. 
I mean, you mm. go in, you go, I mean, especially into uh, um, jobs, you go into uh, your local supermarket and how many people do you see in your local supermarket who work there? Probably three or four. Whereas 10 years ago, you would have seen 50 or 60 people. Mm. Today, you only see three or four because they they send you to an automatic till. They mm. send you to a bit that has been stopped up by by a, someone who comes in at night time. You, you know, nothing. There's no personal service. You go into mm. a supermarket and try and find someone to ask where, I don't know, where the jelly's kept. Yeah, you won't find anybody. Mm. Because it's, I think it's I think it's a, it, that will balance out over time where maybe Main Street will come back a little bit more, and I'm you, hoping you so through that. So that you want, I'm hoping. Um, I'm hoping. But I want to go, to Peggy, because you run a tasting room, and then you also are doing the AI out in the vineyard as a tool. How are you using it in the vineyard? Is it for weather, for water, or how does that work? Well, like I said, we don't use a lot of it. However, um, we will. I think what AI will help agriculture in general, which I think is an important uh, place because agriculture worldwide, as well as agricultural, ag- agriculture in the U.S. is becoming difficult. You know, the land, quality land is not there. Quality people are not available. And so the water is becoming a worldwide issue as well as soil health is a worldwide issue. And so the importance of getting more precision in agriculture and food production uh, is is critical. And I think AI is going to play an important role in doing that. And just like any, I think, technology tool that you have, um, this could be very valuable for me in the vineyard, as well as in agriculture in general, you know, from being more effective in managing our water and being able to uh, more effectively understand potential crop load, being able to understand uh, disease in um, mm. our plants prior to us really visually being able to see them. I mean, right now or to date, we've had to depend on, you know, doing samples and sending them off to labs and doing analysis and, and, but here in Arizona, we're pioneers in our vineyards. And we get a bug that no one has ever seen. I don't have any historical information to um, to really define and understand how to best to treat things. So I see it very as a wonderful tool to be used with caution. And, um, you know, just like using a lab, I still question the results and I still look at them carefully and to really understand them. And I would do the same thing with the kind of data uh, analytics that would be created from um, using AI uh, in agriculture. Mm. And in the tasting room, you know, what Glenn was going back to with customer service, you know, if you went into a tasting room and you didn't have someone there being part of the tasting, I told you about one tasting we went to and they couldn't even tell us what we, I mean, there was no explanation. It's here's your wine, you know, be off with yourself. And I'm like, well, that was, you know, a fine, nice a chunk of money and um, it's a beautiful view, but um, 
this wasn't even the kind of wine I would normally, you know, try. And that's because we had, there was nothing written. It was like, here's your wine. And, you know, we love our wine, but that wasn't a positive experience because there was the, the person we were dealing with was in La La Land or something. But um, maybe she had too much wine. I don't know. But Peggy, isn't that a crucial part? Like you couldn't have AI take care of your customers in a, in a tasting room, but maybe do some of the tests so that they can focus on the customers more. Right. Yeah, no. I mean, we're all about experience and authentic experience. And and again, the bottom line is we want to sell wine. But and when people come into our tasting room, we we give them a lot of uh, personal experience or personal attention and and create that experience around our wine. And people walk Mm -hmm. out with it not only because they like it, but because of the experience that they had at, at there. So if other, I can't imagine um, others doing that, that are in the service industry like I am, but I can see it from, like I said earlier, customer augmentation, segmentation. I mean, not necessarily our brand, but I can see a large winery brand that is, um, you know, 10 times the size of us or more needing to understand their customer and developing products very specifically to those customer tastes. That's not our brand. That's not what we do. Um, but I can understand that and I can see value in mm-hmm. a, a brand wanting to do that. But the, the, the front, the face uh, of your brand in the tasting room or, or in your store or in your town, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I want to go to Steve since you're a communications expert and you're always going, if we could do a zoom video, do it um, for that extra body language and communication. Um, You know, but what Peggy's saying and Glenn on that customer side of it, it really is. I mean, even Ward, what you do and, and musicians, you've got to be in that room. I mean, it's like to, not ever have someone be able to see a video and that this is all an extra way to actually have that human connection. Right, Steve. So in Uh, communications, you need that part. Yes, I would agree with that. There's one thing that um, I would like to bring up though, that nobody's really addressed yet. And that is maybe Joey did a little bit, but you know, how are views about AI different among different generations? Mm. We're all, I'm looking around this chat room and we're all of a certain generation here. And, uh, you know, kids born, the Gen Z, 1997 to uh, 2012, they're digital natives. They have never lived in a, in a world without uh, the Internet or without AI. And so, I, you know, I think there might be a little different perspective, a more natural and intuitive uh, acceptance of AI. I, I'm just curious what people think about that because I think it's scary. Like Joey says, if they don't have some kind of education, some backbone of teaching that gets them to make sure that they are using their own brain and not having that, like that mental, like let everything go for me. You know, it's like when I was in high school, there was no way you're allowed to use a calculator. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went to 16 schools in, in three countries. No way. And then when I was in a because convent, everything- your knuckles were going to get whacked by the nuns, Wait, you know, so. Was 16 because you were thrown out of a lot, Lisa? Yeah. I, I was expelled out of one. Definitely. Yeah, I was expelled out of one. But yeah. um, that was, that's a whole other story. Um, but not, I didn't do anything really bad. Um, you know, the, the thing that's 
so interesting is that you're right. I mean, these, these kids are born with computers in their cradle, you know, and, and they are a very much a part of that technology. One of the things that's really disturbing for me, and, you know, I, I think the next generation has a lot to offer and, and a lot of hope. So I, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not in any way degrading them, but I, my father's 85 years old. Uh, I said to him, dad, you can't drive anymore because you, you, you don't see as well as you used to, and it's just not safe. I personally will not ride with him because I told him that one of us had to be able to see where we were going. I just, you know, <laughs> that just seemed like, that seemed like a, a reasonable thing to say. But anyway, he has a 19 year old that drives for him. And one of the problems that he's having with this young man who's a wonderful young man. Uh, but one of the problems we're having is that he is watching his phone while he's driving. Mm. And, and this is, I recently had an intern who's the same age at my recording studio, 19. Uh, and my dad has one or two other employees that are in their twenties. Uh, and it is a real problem to get them to put the phone down. And, and, you know, mm. this, this is a big thing. So one of the things that's interesting that, that you bring up, Steve, is that, um, in, in some ways they are more, more adaptable and more comfortable with new technology and with this, you know, computer driven universe. Um, and, and, uh, and, and that's not a bad thing, but I will also submit to you that a lot of younger people are suffering from, from extreme amount of anxiety. And I think part of that is number one, we're talking about mental health more than we ever had before and people are more comfortable with that discussion. But I think that the constant bombardment of information, constant sort of, uh, uh, you know, paradigm that we have to be constantly entertained and constantly fed information is a real problem. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think, I think the way that we're sort of trapped into staying on social media, uh, which is done primarily by AI algorithms funneling you in, um, is something to, to certainly be aware of and, and, and cautious of. And I think, you know, it's, it's, People are, are, I know that there are people that have been raised by the television and parents had to both work and, you know, they weren't there to, to do that. But, you know, people are being raised by massive amounts of contents that are really not being, uh, screened for lack of a better word. Or, oh man, kids know how to get around every content. password. They know how yeah. to get around. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah. it, like any, my, my big problem is Steve mentioned this earlier. My big problem is that any fool can have a website and a YouTube channel and the information coming at you is, I, I can't tell you how many students I've had come in and go, Oh man, Mr. Stuckey, I learned a new guitar chord over the weekend. Check out this D chord. It's like, well, there's only one problem. That's enough. And, uh, you know, I mean, they're getting this erroneous information. So, you know, there, there's a lot, there's a lot to, to impact, but I, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think there's definitely, uh, you know, a, a different perspective and in some ways, um, that's wonderful to not have the biases that, that we have mm. because we've grown up differently. So that's, there's, I think, but they like, what do they think? There's plus and minus. I, think, I just want to take one opportunity to say, Glenn, something else that Glenn offers that will never be offered by a computer is his amazing willingness and, and true joy at trying to help people. And, uh, he, he's been so kind to me. And, you know, that personal connection with someone that wants to help you have an amazing experience is really important. And and so I just wanted to give him a shout out there. It's really true. And Glenn, you help people with their family history. And we did a show, um, I think it was for the 4th of July timeframe where 
I was like, well, what about the founding fathers and their British history? You know, because he goes back to it and he starts doing Franklin. And that was an interesting conversation, Jefferson and all of that. And then whatever was on the Internet, he started going, there is absolutely no evidence about this. What was put up on the Internet? None. None. So how much of that was written from the chat body thing? That is the problem. I mean, a lot of people will come to me and say, oh, I've done I've done my family history. Um, I've got back to Adam and Eve, and <laughs> and I and I think, well, you know, how have you done that? And actually, what they've done is they've just put it in the computer, and they've taken whatever the computer has spewed out at them. And I use the word spewed out it very, very literally. <laughs> that it is an absolute load of tosh. I could use another tosh. word that I use. That's tosh. a good word. Oh, I yeah, like tosh. it. Tosh is a good word. Um, it is, it's absolute rubbish. And when you actually try and check a lot of this stuff out, it's just someone mm. has quoted somebody else who quoted somebody else who quoted somebody else who quoted somebody else who made it all up. And the problem is <laughs> the more idiots who quote all this absolute tosh, it then becomes real. Mm. And then you get it published in a book. Mm. And, and the book has quoted a load of rubbish because it hasn't actually checked the original sources and that is exactly what was said right Mm. early on check where the information has come from yeah but Mm. so many people don't do that Mm. and it then becomes gospel yeah and but i think that's where it's interesting going from like steve's background in journalism and like i grew up nancy always said you know from her days in print Mm -hmm. magazines and when i was a kid you want to write something, you need to fact check it three times and it has to have evidence. Like you're saying, Glenn. And Ward, isn't that the same for a lawyer too? It's like it has to be evidence-based. You can't just go, oh, he said that. And that's that. You have to have some kind of evidence, right, in, in a case. Well, yeah, if you're going in front of a judge, you you got to lay a foundation for the evidence you're introducing. And, and so there's a, a check process through there where, you know, Crap probably won't come in or Tosh. It's Tosh. Um, uh, but I could see, though, maybe a quote from this Toshy book being brought into evidence. Uh, and then you'd have the other side say, wait a second. I don't think this was research. Right. So it could get into a kind of a battle over, you know, what is true. And that mm. that's fairly common in court. Mm. Um but that's why you have both sides. And so mm-hmm. there's a checking system, you know, we got the adversarial system. So if, uh, if you hear something and you're on the other side, you go, wait a second and bring up something else. Um, so maybe not as big a deal uh, in a trial situation or a hearing situation, but I, I do like what Glenn has brought up. At, and I think it goes back all the way to the Pony Express, you, you know, things develop in and old ideas and systems are replaced all the time mm-hmm. uh creative destruction we call it at least in the united states but i think uh it was actually that idea was born in england um and <laughs> let's ask chat gpt yeah. yeah yeah i'm sure we get a great answer from chat gpt but um I, and what we're talking about here is well can you replace a human and I think I'm maybe more liberal on this idea. I think, you know, if you, if you look at some of the science fiction, um, like Blade Runner, I don't know if everyone's seen that movie or not, but I, it's one of my favorite movies. I really yeah. dig it. Um, and 
you, you've got androids who are human. I mean, really. And they, the question is, well, are they human or not? That's really what it's talking about. Mm. I could see that maybe we could develop that over time. Right now, you're right. I don't think we can replace. Yeah, but they're trying to get robots to sweat. So that they understand temperature. That is a new thing that I was just listening to. Well, that's what I'm talking day. about. Now, that's a little I, weird. I really think that, you know, creative destruction could get to the point where, yeah, you don't need a person uh, in the tasting room. You've got this robot no, you do. that is no. getting more information all the time. I want a Peggy in the tasting it. room. So I want Peggy in the tasting bad? room. But is it bad? I, I don't know. In, in do. creative stuff, like, you know, I like to write. I, I wrote a novel. Um and I go, but boy, chat GPT really might be a great, at least a great tool. And if not, potentially replace oh, people helps. who are authors. Really? Grammarly you know, is an AI. Potential. Grammarly helps and, and it does help. You're like, oh, yeah, like I made a mistake there. So that's cool. Um, you know, there's there are hotels with robots that will bring you things to your room. The Aloft hotels. I know they have them up in the Silicon Valley, of course, and they will bring you things. And I think that's interesting. Like, that's kind of cool. If it was R2-D2, like, I like that part of it. But I want to I want to go back to Johnny Schaefer here. And everyone here, Johnny.com is the website. Joey Stuckey, I didn't give everyone his website, JoeyStuckey.com. But uh, Johnny, as a musician, you know, we were talking about duplicate content, basically, going out there, which is a no-no. Um, it should be a no-no for stealing any writer's information you shouldn't you shouldn't steal anybody's anything off a website you should just stop everyone needs to stop it but they do it and it's all again exactly like social media to sell ads but johnny with the way some of this where someone could write a song and kind of maybe those the jet the chat gpt steal some of your lyrics or something i mean do you find that important as an artist to let people know that hey i'm not using this this is my pure work and you know what I mean? Do you see that becoming a problem? I understand we touched on copyrights, but it kind of goes where you kind of as a, an artist have to make a stand and let people know. Yeah. Um, well, so much has come up for me during this conversation. I keep, Oh, you know, I, yeah. I hear so many things I don't want to talk about, but yes. Um, I, I, you know, people, there've been lawsuits where people sue people because they feel like, you know, there was the big thing with, um, the estate of Marvin Gaye suing, sure. um, you know, over, over that, uh, uh Robin Thicke's or Robin mm-hmm. Thicke. You know, and yeah. so there's a, a big problem with, with, uh, already with, you know, people feeling that their music's being stolen by people and computers are only taking the information from, this big body of, of music. I just saw in my Instagram feed the other day an ad for a company that's, that says they've already written a hundred million songs and you can go in and you can type in words. And, um, the society of composers and lyricists, uh, Ashley Irwin is the president. He's been going to Washington and doing a lot of lobbying about this because, um, there, the concern is that, uh, computers are, are just, you know, taking a conglomeration and there's so much they'll take from this person and that person and that person. So then how do you figure out who they took from? And one person might say, well, I heard this part of my song in here. And, uh, it's just such, there's, it's really messy. Um, George mm. Takei and Joe, mm. Jay Quo wrote an article. Joey was talking about Star Trek, um, back in May where they talk about the four do, don'ts, don't do's that we've already done with AI. And he talked about um, 
don't teach it code, don't, don't teach it how to code, don't connect it to the internet, don't give it a public API, and don't start an arms race. Now that chat GPT is out, Google and, um, and some of the others are trying to catch up. And the danger in that is that they're going to cut corners and because they need to, they they want to get ahead of everybody mm-hmm. else. So then they're going to not do the due diligence and not put the protections in that are going to prevent a lot of this. And it's getting away from us really fast. And that was George Takei's concern. And it's a very good article. I mm-hmm. if you just Google George Takei AI, it'll come right up. You know, this is really interesting because I think it really becomes down to the creative force. Um, because when you look at something like what Peggy does, um, out in the vineyard and agriculture, I can understand because you're inputting, here's the stuff we need to watch for in the soil and disease and weather and water. Uh, what Joey was talking about with in regards to, um, you know, medical stuff, it can scan things, right? So it's, it's like if you look at it as a scanner and, and like, Hey, here's a flag. Here's a flag. I see that is being you know, important, but the creative work, like Steve Pisanti is, you know, you're, you've written three novels, you've got your other book out, you know, it's like, um, you've got to worry about that too, with what, you know, Johnny's saying here about being able to hold on to your work. I mean, because when they start doing like Google and Amazon will let people read certain pieces of work, Will that end up being in somebody else's content like Audible? Will it start listening to books on Audible and start messing with that? You know what I mean? So you got to yeah. put your you unmute yourself. It's a scary proposition. And, um, you know, we all have to be cognizant and, and up on things. Um, at the same time, <clears throat> I'm finding as I'm writing new material that um, while I would never use it, to generate original ideas, if I'm stuck on, <clears throat> I don't know, um, a food that starts with the letter D, you know, I'll ask it quickly for 10, wor- 10 foods that start with the letter D. Donuts, man, bring it. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I don't, I don't think that's crossing the line. I will come mm-hmm. up with it eventually. That's a why, tool. Should I, why should I waste time, you know, when right. I can actually be moving the, moving the piece forward? thinking of something dumb like that. Um, and I'm eventually going to make the selection that I want anyway. So or maybe it's just, again, a kicking off point to break the log jam, which I think is okay. I, you know, I, I keep coming back to this, but I think it's about that line that we don't want to cross, mm. um, that moral, yeah. ethical, at least in my business, that's what's really important. And maybe Johnny and Joey, you can relate to this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, as long as long as it's a tool and the human remains in charge, I yeah. think that's great. And, and and again, as I say, as a blind person, I'm very hopeful that AI will eventually be able to be my eyes and I can say things like, where is blank? And it can tell me mm-hmm. or, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I'm very hopeful as, as an assistive technology. But as a, as a human replacement technology, I have some concerns. And, you know, I really, I, I get back to this, uh, but I think science fiction is important in, in so much as it imagines, it imagines the future. Uh, those three laws of robotics that Isaac Asimov came up with, you know, uh, are, are pretty, pretty important to have safeguards around, um, these things moving beyond our comprehension. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, so it's, it's, and I think what's so wonderful, we talked earlier about the idea of using it uh, in 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 
for lack of a better phrase, like targeting your audience as a brand. So again, coming through massive amounts of data and showing you data points, you know, uh, here's what's happening with your fans that like, when we go back to the vineyard, that like this kind of line. Here's some psychographic, uh, psychographic is, is data basically telling you where your brand intersects with other interests. So if you mm. find out that uh, people that drink your red wine also happen to like jazz music, uh, then you it's can true. say, well, what if we have a jazz <laughs> event? I mean, but, you know, we could say, well, what if we have a jazz concert with our tasting that would bring a lot of people in? So mm. using it to, to find those data points is great. Also, you know, you can do, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of data points with that. And, and so I think all those things are fantastic. But it's just this, there's a lot cool. of moral ethical questions that we have to keep the humans in the driver's seat. And I think that's something to be taught to the kids going back to the youth. That is the thing to be taught. And I think, Ward, you could use that in law. It'll scan through and go, hey, somebody had a knife over here and you didn't see the knife. I'm kidding, whatever it was. But sorry, go ahead. Steve and Glenn, you you both had something? I was just going to say that that what Joey was describing will never replace what Glenn offers. Yeah. You know, when I go to uh, photography is my my hobby and, and a passion. When I go to a new town, I always try to link up with a professional photographer who will show me around the city. And my my guidepost is always, I want to shoot the same things other people shoot, but from different perspectives. What can you show me? You Only know, somebody like Glenn could be could could do that. Um, yeah. and, and I don't, you know, I could feed it uh, the question into a computer, but I don't think I would ever get the personal service or the or the showing me around. Or the or the um, little anecdotes that that someone like Glenn would like be able Glenn to. Glenn teaches us how to say Tosh. That's right, <laughs> and that's important. You know, before we yeah. turn over to Glenn, I just want to say, interestingly, when you talk about photography, obviously that is a realm that the blind are supremely unable to uh, navigate. But my iPhone now tells me uh, you've got something centered in your. Field of vision, tilt the phone three degrees to the right. It's amazing. So I've taken some pictures. And you're like, uh, you took that picture as a blind person? Yep, but it yeah, wasn't really me. Yeah, you did good photography. It was my phone. I mean, it, you know, I can't, I can't really take credit for it. But, but I'll, I'll want to take a picture of something, and I'll. It, it, I mean, it's not perfect, obviously, but, but it's, boy, it's better than what I could do on my own. So there's that mm. supportive role again. And, and mm. I, we'll turn it over to Glenn now. But I want to. Just... Yeah, I think what has already been said. You know, it's a fantastic tool. But the problem is, is that we are being taken over by it. I mean, I, I, I've just recently become the, um, I've got the lasting power of attorney for my mum because she's suffering from dementia. So I need to look after her finances and things. So I've recently just had to try and set up access to her bank account, et cetera, et cetera. I've been on the telephone for an hour and a half today. Uh-oh. Trying to sort out number one telephone access and number two internet access to my mum's banking accounts. The first quarter of an hour of that, I didn't actually speak to anybody. It's all about press button six, press button 97, wait here in a queue for half an hour. Oh dear, we are really, really busy and we've got no staff. We can't answer your phone call. Press button 97 and then, and then you have to 
key in all the information for the bank account. You have to then key in different different. Now, things. You're making me angry right now. It's going up yeah. my body, up my legs, imagine? and I'm starting to explode. I can't. Can you imagine? I can't. Well, the customer service is lacking. Exactly. And I think, again, like there's this changeover in jobs, just like solar coming in. It doesn't mean that oil is a completely out. It's about diversification and how we run things and do things in life. Because even in your investment, right, you don't put all your eggs in one investment. You know, we're the blend for a reason. Stuff happens and you need to be able to flip and change as you need to, just like you would in an investment. Have a diverse portfolio. And so AI may take a job away, like maybe Peggy doesn't need someone to run around in the hot sun of Arizona going up and down and looking at every leaf of her vineyard, but she can do it through AI and that person can get some career that is going to, hey, something where they can get to do things that they've always dreamed of and maybe go to college for and stuff like that. So it's, it is a shift in how we do things and it has to have that moral line we're all talking about. But if yes. we can take the youth going back to them and it should be in school where they start teaching and in the family household where to use, to use, um, be, use cognition, use, you know, think. I mean, how are you going to, I mean, one of the things people should do is learn how to vote. That's the same thing. You're making a decision. Weigh up your options. You know, if AI was voting for us, that would, maybe we would be better. I don't know. I don't want to get in politics. I'll get in trouble, but it, if we can get the youth and people to just use thought, use your brain. We were born with it. Use it. It's exciting. Joey, you know how important a brain is. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's we haven't used it. It's the one tool that I really it. have control over. <laughs> yeah. Um, in closing, I want to go to each of you and thank you for joining us on the panel. I know there's so much and we can't get to everything on it, but I think we've basically said that we can run our own court and say, no, this is immoral and this is okay. Um, but I encourage you to go to each of our guests' website. Again, it's listed in the show notes. Um, but let's go with you, Ward. Uh, this is airing on your fourth Wednesday. Ward is out on our show every fourth Wednesday, keeping us to, up to date with the toilet paper roll of bills that come out of California. Um, you can go to his website, bestemploymentattorneysandiego.com. Anything you want to close with and thoughts of AI or what's going on in your world? We hope the sun stays shining. That's the most important thing, too. Yeah, I, I think our conversation has brought up some really interesting topics under the AI subheading. Um, and I, I, again, I don't mind if we have a robot creating works of art. I don't mind it. But what I think we need to do is label it and then compare it. Maybe that makes humans better. We go, hey, I, I can do this better than this machine. I don't think you can replace Glenn. But maybe there's a, a, a spot for some competition. We're not there yet. Uh, you know, 100 years from now, 50 years from now, I don't know. But I'm not <laughs> sure it's that bad necessarily. So I want to challenge that idea of, oh, this moral, uh, this moral idea of, hey, AI, we just can't let it go into there. Well, I think as long as we separate it out and say this is AI and this is human, it'd be interesting to see what the productivity is. Man, you are an attorney, aren't you? <laughs> Everyone, best employment attorney, San Diego.com. Uh, Ward is on again every fourth Wednesday. I want to go to you, Johnny. Uh, Johnny Schaefer again. You can go to his website here, Johnny.com. Uh, anything new and exciting coming up in your world? Uh, I've got a couple of releases I'm going to be putting out in the next few months and, oh. um, I've been writing a lot of music and, uh, working without with AI. Really good people. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, <clears throat> uh, one thing I have seen people pass trying to pass off AI as their own work already online. Um, a friend of mine who's an artist actually called a few people out on it. Um, one of the things that I see is sometimes it's so perfect, like when it creates art, that it it takes the there's a, there's something in imperfection that makes something beautiful. And a lot of the AI art that I see is just so perfect that it it has no soul. Um, mm. That's a concern. I also think that a lot of companies are trying to uh, are they they're using AI wherever they can to eliminate jobs. To your point, but um, I think we're I feel like we're going to get to a point where maybe we're going to need uh, a guaranteed minimum income because I just don't know that they're going to mm. there's they're going to be jobs for everybody that are going to be able to pay for all these things that that the companies are are putting out where they're just using computers to do everything. I, I, I don't know. I, that, um, that interim time, there is yeah. an interim that has to happen with mm-hmm. balance. I mean, that's the same thing as energy has to have that balance. You know, I'm all for the environment and, but you can't just go, okay, I'm turning this off and turning that on. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's they're an not, interesting point. Like in the grocery store with those automated, you know, cashiers, they're not passing that savings on to the consumers. The prices keep going up and they're giving record, they're earning record profits that they're just giving to stockholders. So they're not really passing that along to people. They're just finding ways to squeeze more profit out all the time. Mm. That's why go to your local farmer if you can. Listen, the eggs are far better. I got fresh farm eggs right here. And I'm telling you, breakfast is good over here in the Appalachian woods. Uh, Peggy uh, Fiendaco over at LDVWinery.com. Uh, Peggy, again, is on our show every first Wednesday giving us an update. Um, anything coming up? I know you bought, you've been bottling and um, hoping that the grapes don't get too moist. I use that word. Um, right. So. Right. Yep. So we're, we're starting harvest, like I said. So we're excited about wow. that and hope for, it's definitely down. Um, we did have, uh, imp- weather impacted us this year. So our crop load is low, lower than usual. So, um, hopefully keep your fingers crossed that, uh, we make it through the next month and a half with no major weather, um, impact. But I wanted to, to, say in closing that, you know, I, in my previous life, I was um, focused on strategic planning and long range planning. And so change to me is a real exciting and positive thing. And we as humans have not, especially in our generation around the table here, uh, we have not become as comfortable with the amount of rapid change that is occurring all around us. And we need to become more comfortable with that. But that doesn't mean we we uh, just forget how to think and think critically. And uh, what is being presented to us with AI or other tools that will come? Because I remember talking about AI with my clients over 10, 15 years ago of the possibility of that coming and how do you have to change in order to to be prepared and be successful in that kind of arena. But um, I think critical thinking is something that we don't teach people anymore. And we have, and we around 
you know, our generation have forgotten how to do that. And so any kind of tool like AI, that is an important part and being able to evaluate consequences and being able to, to look at pros and cons and to truly understand when to make a decision. You know, part of the fact we get so much information at some point you have to make a decision and you have to evaluate is the information I have been given good enough and effective enough to allow me to make a decision. So um, I think those are tools that we're not giving or teaching younger generations on how to do, how to deal with uh, the fast change that's coming in terms of technology. That's well put. And I think when you have interns um, and you're working with college kids and students, you know, in what, you know, even if you have someone coming in as a dishwasher or something, you know, in a, in a restaurant, work with them. You know, it's like, okay, no, you do not put this knife in the dishwasher. Like, no. Why? It's not just don't do it. It's the whys, the hows and the whys. You know, that that's good information, Peggy. Thank you. And Steve Piacenti, everyone, you've got to go to stevepiacenti.com. And also go to Amazon and type his name in and get his novels. Uh, Steve is a hell of a writer. Um, I, I just... We love his writing, and that's how we first connected with him is with his novels. And um, I hope you guys all enjoy them because if you like historical fiction, but um, honest to God, there's no way AI wrote your novels. But because they're also true facts. I mean, it's historical fiction, but it's you you show the the reality of life for people in your novels. No, I was there for sure. Um, <laughs> so so uh, two quick things from me, uh, just as a way to gauge where things are. Um, I, I would suggest everybody once in a while go to one of the uh, chat GPT or the other ones and type in five questions to intimately get to know and then put your name in, uh, Attorney Ward Heinrichs, and just see what comes out. So it'll give you a little sense of where things are. And then uh, this is, may sound a little bit morbid, but I think it's also interesting uh, exercise ask it to write a 200 word eulogy about yourself and see how close it comes. Well, eulogies are really good because it's about, are mm -hmm. you on track with your legacy too? Right. right. As a person, I, I, we've done some shows on that and it's fascinating because we don't want to think about that stuff, mm -hmm. but then you really look at your life if you're living your life the way you want to. So I love that. That's, that's interesting, Steve. So Steve Piacenti, uh, Next Life Phase Coaching. And I talked about his novels, but his latest book is uh, True Stories, um, Your New Fighting Stance. Good enough isn't, and you know it. So don't don't toss yourself, right? <laughs> don't settle. That's what we do. Don't settle. Don't settle. So, Glenn, let's, mm -hmm. let's go to you in closing. And everyone, it's norfolk-tours.co.uk. So welcome Back, Glenn, for your segment here to close the show, and, and we'll close with Joey, too. Well, I've heard so much today. I think the, the one thing that we all agree on is that AI is good in its place. Um, my main thing is it needs to be kept in its place, and I don't <laughs> think it is at the moment. Um, there's an organization that I belong to very proudly. And one of the things that we always have to realize that is if nothing changes, nothing changes. And if everything stays the same, everything stays the same. And 
that is a really big one for me because I need to realize that we need to change. But to use a word that I've heard tonight is I am a bloody Luddite (laughs) and I don't like change. You know, some, some of my ancestors were involved in the riots of the 1830s to break up the thrashing engines because they didn't want to lose their work, their jobs. And now my son-in-law, who's a farmer, has a combine harvester that has got a 32-foot header and it just goes straight down the field, taking about 500 men's work (laughs) in one fell swoop because that's what they do. But using AI, the one good thing is he knows how much he's cut, how much corn, you know, uh, wheat or barley he's cut, where the parts of the field were good or bad, whether he's put on the right amount of fertilizer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So using AI is a really good thing for him. But I, I just would like to be weary. And while I'll finish on this promise. When I used to be chair of governors at a local primary school, there was a, a big sign up in the staff room that the headmaster had put up, and it said, "Children should be questioning answers as well as answering questions." And I love. I that. love that. Oh my yeah. gosh, I love that. Yeah, this whole thing of children should be quiet, seen and not be heard is ridiculous. It, it's it's ridiculous, you know. I've learned so much about how to, you know, be more observant from kids. You know, hiking in a national park with a friend um and his and his daughter and his daughter grabs my hand and she's like, "Look, there's fairies living in that flower petal." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, we're seeing all these little things that I never knew." You know, she opened my eyes to look at some of the smaller, finer details in life. And that's the beauty of change. Um, I want to close with Joey, joeystuckey.com. Um, he's got a big event coming up, Joey Alive Day, September 29th. And everyone needs to go to Macon, Georgia and party and listen to good music and celebrate being alive. Absolutely. We welcome you. And so if you're, if you're coming through, let me know because I will host you. Um, yeah, you know, it's been a fascinating conversation. Everyone on the panel is absolutely brilliant. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, the real takeaway is, uh, and I'm, I'm with Glenn on this, you know, I'm the one that brought up the Luddite. Uh, and so, you know, <laughs> the, the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, change is inevitable. That's the one thing that you know is constant. And there's good change and there's bad change. And, um, and I think you can use both things. I've always, you know, I had, I'm being blind, had a brain tumor and all these things, but I, I try to let everything that I am, everything that I have become, everything that I experience work to my advantage, both the good and the bad. I think you can do that. I, I, I believe that you can let everything work to your advantage. And I just want to say, you know, we keep the, we keep the humans in the driver's seat and we use the tools and, um, and, and, and we continue to teach critical thinking, but we also look forward with hope and not fear. Although you can certainly be cautious, which I think is laudable in any, in any capacity. But the one thing I'd say is, you know, you know, talking about art and, you know, a lot of these AIs, uh, and, and a lot of the tools we're using in the music industry in general, uh, give you mathematical solutions to problems. Uh, I won't go way down a rabbit hole, but there's, there's like phase alignment and all these different things. And I think that it's a real mistake to, to let the math control the experience of the music because the music is consumed by the ear and the mind and the heart. And there are mathematical things that we can prove are true sonically 
that are that are beyond human uh, comprehension. So anything above 20 hertz, or you know, 20k rather, anything above 20k, we, we can't really hear. As we get older, our, our hearing decreases as well. So young people can hear things that we can't hear. My point though is, it, I can show you example after example of music that is not perfect uh, from the from the performance to the mix, uh, and yet it's very compelling to us as as a human visceral emotional experience so if we had followed the math and just followed the the technical specs of the music we would have ended up with a product that was technically perfect but had no soul and, and johnny mm -hmm. sort of alluded to that quite brilliantly so there's a lot to unpack and you know we didn't get a chance to really talk about cloud-based machine learning where when one one ai learns one thing all the other ai is connected to it learn something but there's a lot of, of brilliant things ahead in our future we just have to remember that we need to ask, should we, and not could we, because that's where a lot of times we, we lose track of things. We we do things because we can, and then we look back and go, oh, I did not think about how this could be misused. I think that's always a, an important thing to think about. But uh, and why? yeah, future, the future is hopeful. The future is bright. Uh, as long as we just use our critical thinking skills and put a little caution in there and a couple of guardrails, I think we'll be fine. I love it. I love it. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you, as always, to the audience here on Big Blend Radio. Keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. Again, everyone that's on the show, the show links, uh, the links are in the show notes. So thank you all for joining us. Thank you all. Good to thank see you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.